This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. a Celtic state of mind it's Monday afternoon this is the bulletin yes I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined by Russell Boyce and Anthony Haggerty which for the first time I think ever in Axrom history this lineup is uh, taking the, the bulletin we are going to talk you through all things Celtic for the next hour uh, I think Tony called it the three amigos before we came on the three amigos that I recall Tony are the famous 1990s Three Amigos, the ones that gave Fergus McCann sleepless nights. If we are the Three Amigos, which one are you? I'd have to say Paolo Di Canio because of the dark hair and the temperamental <laughs> fire. I, I have at times, I, 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 I would say so, I don't have side drums and golden boots, but I will work on that, you know? Yes, absolutely. Boyce, would you say that uh, Tony was temperamental? 
Does he have an Italian temperament? It's one of those things where I think it could be in the locker. I've just not, I've not been uh, privileged enough to see it yet. Fifty percent temper and fifty percent mental. You know what I mean? So that's <laughs> that's. He, that he, did, he did come to my house wearing golden boots once. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> we can talk about that later now. By the way, your temperament might be shredded uh, tomorrow night because obviously we are entering competitive football for the first time with Ange. If Tony is Paolo, then Russell. Are you Georgi Cadetti? I think with it, I think the hair man, I think he's the, I'd be the only one who'd be stupid enough to try and get Cadetti's sort of locks back. So that was a main. That was an impressive main. I'll take Pierre every day of the week. Absolutely, I'll take Pierre Van Hoydong. We have far more pressing things to discuss. Um, 39 days Ange Postacoglu has been in the job, yep. Tony, after a 106-day search for a new manager. Last night, I finally got round to watching the Martin Scorsese epic, The Irishman. Now, as you all know, it's three and a half hours long. It took 106 days to make it. Incredibly. Uh, and Scorsese was able to bring together in those 106 days De Niro, Pacino and Pesky. The Celtic board brought together in the same time Postacoglu, Kennedy and Strachan. And <laughs> they produced what was an epic. It cost $160 million to make. That's equivalent to four Champions League group campaigns the first of which we are going to be entering tomorrow night. Russell, I'm going to come to you first. We've had four pre-season friendlies. By tomorrow, Angela have been in the job for 40 days. And in have come four first-team players, one of whom will not be uh, available for selection tomorrow night, Furuhashi. Who, first of all, would you select, if any, from Shaw, Urugidi and Abada tomorrow night? Would you throw any of them in for a bit? Baptism of fire at Celtic Park. I think Abada's got to be getting looked at. Right? I know he's not on this, the initial squad list, but apparently there's two players you can add. So mm. I'm quite confident that I think when the list would have been submitted, perhaps he hadn't quite registered at Celtic as of yet at that point. So I think it was maybe last Thursday we sent in the forms, apparently, or something. So I think Abada will be a certainty to be added to it. And I think he might be the one. They gave him the number 11 shirt. And you just think maybe as a wild card, fling him in and see if he can have it, like we spoke about, you know, the last number 11 who was flung in without a training session, Scott Sinclair, could we see a similar impact? There's been a lot of negativity about the uh, the squad list, but to me, it's just the players that we've got. Um, <laughs> I think people seem to be in this, like, sort of fake shock at the, the squad list that they've seen, whereas I don't see any surprises. I just see a list of players that we've currently got. And if it's mm. came to a shock that this squad is under... Um, has been under-added to this summer, if that makes sense, then, you know, it's no surprise to me. I'm not surprised in the slightest at the squad list that I've seen that it doesn't look quite Champions League group-worthy uh, as of yet. But Abada, certainly for me, um, Osazi, I think the jury's still a wee bit out on him, but they're pre-season friendlies as well. There's a lot of adapting to go here. I just think for the for the likes of Abada, with the experience he's got, um, I think you'd said one of the most capped under-21 internationals ever for uh, Israel as well. Mm -hmm. I think he'd be the one most likely to be able to adapt quickly to the situation that he finds himself in, albeit far from ideal. And I've liked the look of Liam Shaw. He seems to have a calm head. If he was put in there and parachuted into the team, I just think he's shown signs of having the right sort of temperament that I like. Seems very composed on the ball. Doesn't like he would panic, but it's a lot of responsibility on a young man's shoulders. It is. I mean, we all watched the game on Saturday. Uh, Tony, you weren't part of the match day squad that day. You must have pulled up with a hammy or something like that. But uh, you certainly watched the game. What, what, there you go. I don't know. You were working hard, mate. You were working hard. What was your take on Urugiri? Because I think we've seen the two sides of him. We've seen his debut, albeit in a friendly, where I don't think many of us were impressed with him at right back. He then looked a wee bit more composed, I felt, when he came up against Bristol City, it was, on the right-hand side of the, the centre-half position. But then I just thought he got the runaround against Preston. I, it was almost as if it was a bridge too far for him, Tony. And I wouldn't like to see him thrown in tomorrow night. First and foremost, I thought you were going to say about Ange Postacoglu and on the 40th day, he went AWOL. 
but that would probably be too negative but I am being jocular of course uh, it's not I like the, to do that. you won't read that in the big book alright and on the 40th day he went away uh, Uruguay I just thought I, I agree with yourself there funnily enough uh, he's, he's positionally erratic mm. he came up against two wily seasoned campaigners in Ched Evans and Scott Sinclair, and he got the runaround. And that's yeah. a team who finished in the lower reaches of the championship. If he comes up against any class or position, you would feel the worst with Urigidi there. I just think he also has to learn. He, he is a big guy, and he's clearly an athlete, but he can't win every ball, right? Mm-hmm. can't win every ball when, when a striker's back into him. You know, he's lunging in and, you know, being silly. And you're just like, you know... And then positionally, you have to have you have to look around you, be aware of yourself, of your surroundings, mm-hmm. you know. That and it's and I'm trying not to be really critical, but you want to see something that you think, okay, he can do that. But even at times from corners and set pieces, you look. He, he genuinely it was a bad day at the office for him, and he looked all over the place. Mm-hmm. I wanted to cling to some hope that he maybe has something, you know, moving forward. And I was looking and I'm thinking, he got a lot of convincing to do. And that's why you would worry about it doesn't I know it's pre season friendlies and you can't really judge people, but you're taking a step up in class. You know, you're getting into European football. You know, and Michelin reached the or Michelin reached the group stages of the Champions League last year. No no disgrace to come last in a group that featured Liverpool, Ajax and Atalanta. Mm-hmm. No but according to reports that we're reading, they're in a bit of disarray coming to Celtic Park. You know, mm-hmm. players were, were dropped from the game that they lost. They lost 2-1 to Odense on Friday night. Star players have been a bust up with the managers and stuff like that. So there's all sorts of things happening and turmoil. But they'll be able to put a team out capable of giving you a game. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You'd worry if the likes of Urigidi was in that defence. I agree with Russell. I think Abada's probably the one who's liable to make the most impact, if any impact, because the wee glimpse you saw on, on Saturday, I talk about it all the time, forget the pre-season result, you talk about attitude, he wanted mm-hmm. the ball, he was mm-hmm. hungry, he was zipping in and out, he yeah. had a shot that was deflected away and could have brought an equaliser, but he looked from the get-go, it was 27 minutes he played, but he looked from the get-go that he was capable of doing something, you know? And I think we spoke uh, off-camera, I spoke to yourself about, you know, Odson Edward gave Albin Ajeti a lesson in how you lead a line when he came on. You come for the ball, you look for it, you don't go hiding, you look to play in. He was looking for a badder all the time. He was yeah. trying to create... He might not have a long-term future at the club, but if I'm Ange, I'm playing Odson Edward up front. I, I think it's a great shout. He's the best striker we have at the club. Uh, by, he, some, by some distance. By some distance, yeah. Yep. And right, okay, he is going to leave. You, you've resigned yourself to that fate, but you could take a step closer to the money that you want to earn by getting to the group stages by playing them until some team comes in and says mm-hmm. we want them and we sell them. And I liked Ajeti's attitude the first couple of games, but the last couple of games, you know, he's reverted to tight. He's gone missing, you know, and you need more than that if you're going into the Champions League against any opposition. Mm. And I thought Edward looked lively. He looked a spark. And I think, I think Abada liked the fact that he was there because he did a couple of neat exchanges. And I would be willing to go with that against Mitchelland Listen, I, I think you make some excellent points here because we've been bigging a Yeti up uh, during the pre-season, Tony and I do think that this season is going to be a fairly big part of the plans and, and some of that is just down to necessity like Russell was saying earlier, what else do you expect from the squad? These are the, the players that we have at our disposal and I think that due to the circumstances around Lee Griffiths also, maybe surprisingly in the squad for the European game and Edward probably on his way out 
Tony, we've, we've kind of looked at Ayeti and thought, can we get the £5 million player we were promised last year? Can we get it this season? And a lot of that is hopeful and, you know, maybe naively so. But I think that uh, when we looked at his performance against Preston and you compared it against the performance of Edouard, who has come in for a lot of criticism, not only on the Axon uh, podcast, but elsewhere, you could see a completely different uh, standard of player. And, and Edward, uh, and again, I'm not writing a Yeti off because I think Edward will leave. A Yeti will be our, our number one striker. Um, although I will be asking where else we need to strengthen. But going back to your point on Abada, like Russell says, he's won you know something along in the the region of 50 caps at underage level for his country. He's 19. But he has played a lot of first-team football. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an immediacy, like an urgency about him when he came on. Uh, a couple of things went astray. You would only expect that because he doesn't even know who his teammates are. But if there was going to be a wild card, um, I agree with the periods. I would be throwing Leo Labada in there. Um, whereas I wouldn't be giving the same pressure to the likes of Urugidi. I've got a wee question mark about Shaw because I don't know if Soro's going to be fit. The question will arise when we look through the, the start and 11. Even if he is, who do you go for? Because I think Shaw has impressed. I, I really do think we've got a player in our hands with Shaw. And then we will look at some of the other players who have either been omitted from that squad um, or, or who you think might be added. So, Russell, you spoke about a couple of guys going in. I think you're right about a bad. It's just a time issue. He wasn't in the door at the time that we submitted the forms. So you would yep. expect him to be added before midnight tonight. The other one I was looking at was Leo Connor. I mean, I know that Urigiri can can cover it right back. He's played there for Sheffield Wednesday. But at the moment, you're looking at that squad. The only right back we have is Anthony Ralston. Leo Connor's not in the squad and he can't be classed as a B-list player uh, because although he was born after the 1st of January 1999, he's not eligible because he's not played at uh, for two years in uninterrupted for Celtic because he's been out on loan so he can't be classed as a B-list player okay. uh, but you would expect for cover we would be bringing him in I actually thought he played okay when he came on against Preston No I agree with that but I mean just to touch on what Tony was saying there about you know Sazi when you actually think about it see when you're buying players or you're bringing back players from relegated from the Championship Sheffield Wednesday and from League One Tranmere Rovers, is this the debate that we're actually having to deal with the Champions League qualifiers? But of course there's going to be at times question marks over one, if not two, out of those three sort of players because, and it's no disrespect to them in the slightest, they've just simply never played at a level that they're about to. Um, they're young guys as well, so I just find it baffling that we're in a situation where Leo Connor's going to be drawn on League One experience from last season to perhaps potentially come in and, and face a team that was in the Champions League group stages uh, last season. And as Tony says, no disgrace when you look at the competition they had in that group to finish bottom. Um, you're then looking at between Osazi and Luke Shaw and you're going, well, these are, this is what we're trying to sort of deal with here because everything seems to be on this time delay that Celtic just don't seem to have realised what date the European uh, qualifiers were beginning even though J.P. Mason's you know, been telling them for 119 days, I think it was, at the start, something like that. So, they, they, kind, me, of follow, they kind of follow the same uh, dates every year, do you know, Russell? You would like to think <laughs> so, but it's the same mistakes every year as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's, the, that's the incredible thing. But, I mean, would I like to see Leo Connor in there? For me, I just think with the, the youngsters that we're going to need to use a balance of between them and first-team regulars, because... Because when you look at the pre-season matches as well, is Christie going to get flung back in there? Would Lee Griffiths even be considered as much as in the squad? Can these guys really, if they've not even had a you know many 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 minutes on the park in pre-season, can they really be considered as stronger options than going for you know perhaps the kids who've had more minutes under the belt during the pre-season games? And to be honest with you, I find it you know an argument that's it's quite difficult to answer. To be honest, I, I yeah, think, I think needs must. I think you might find you'll see Christy appearing as well. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah. You know, I think Ange will go. I know it goes against the grain of what he said. He, he wants guys that have got a future or want to play for the club. But this is the first game. He, he wants to win it desperately. He has to put out his strongest team because he will have had a look at all those youngsters. And I think Saturday would have been worrying, you know, really concerning that not many stepped up to the plate, two or three. You know, and I think it showed the horrendous lack and depth of squad that Celtic have. And it is horrendous. Now, you could do that team. You could arguably need a goalkeeper, right? Mm-hmm. Two centre-backs, a right-back, a midfield enforcer and two strikers. That's seven players that you could conceivably see Celtic having to bring in. Seven at 11, right? You're not going to get seven. You might get one of them. So you're looking at maybe three or four of those, right? But it's still major drastic surgery that that team needs, right? But I've just listed seven players that you could conceivably see all being equal and Celtic lashing out the cash. I say cash. You know, seven. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's frightening. How going to a Champions League group match qualifier, knowing that deep down you probably need about seven players. And the seven so- short you're yeah, seven short. Yeah. Respect to the youngsters that have came in because they've been flung in there and asked to do a job to impress. And I absolve Ange of any blame because timing has been of the issue here the whole time mm-hmm. since he came in, right? But see, and I wrote this uh, the other day, see if Ange was the man that they identify as Eddie Howe was giving them the runaround. Shouldn't Ange have come in then at the time he did? And then they say to Ange, before you come in, identify two or three players. And then in the same week, gone and and got them, kept the feel-good factor going. Ange comes in one day, bump, bump, bump. The next three days we have Mm -hmm. Ashe, we have Abada, we have Starfelt. And then you get some kind of chance of drilling some shape, some formation, some style into them. And then you and then you come to this stage and you're a wee bit better off. Yeah. Well, we're looking at the likes of and I like Dane Murray on Saturday. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, see if you're asking me, came to a straight choice. Uh Uragidi or Dane Murray, I'd play Dane Murray. Yep. I was going to ask you that, Tony. I was actually going to ask you the question. Yeah. More accomplished and looked a bit more positionally sound. Mm-hmm. But it's a hard ask to ask a young boy to come in in a game of that magnitude and perform out your skin. But that's what's it. That's simply staring down a barrel of a gun at this moment in time with those kind of decisions. And Angie's body language sometimes in the interviews, he does look frustrated. And mm-hmm. on the 40th day, he went AWOL. Tony, Tony, you made a point. You made a point earlier about we know every season when these fixtures no. are in the diary, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, you could look back on previous misdemeanors in terms of our planning to the point where you're lining up with uh, Owen O'Connell, for example, at centre-half, or Tony Ralston playing at right-back against Neymar. And there has been some heroic performances by youngsters who are thrown in. And that's mainly not down to poor planning, but an injury crisis, for example, or someone being sent off. And we remember David Marshall, a player that Russell uh, likes, David Marshall going in against Barca, John Kennedy doing the same. I remember Paul Caddis coming in at the last minute and performing Mm -hmm. really well against Ronaldinho. It can happen, but only in an emergency would you expect it to be the case. We, We seem to do it due to the bad planning. Paul, you know, we know the dates of the Champions League qualifiers every time. There's only one set or group of people that don't know it, and it's the Celtic Board of Directors. You know, and Russell, we spoke about this in one of the pods or you did. They just don't treat the Champions League with the respect and the reverence it deserves. 
the qualifiers come round at the same time every year. Mm-hmm. Get suited and booted for them. Mm-hmm. Do you stand a chance of recouping any financial outlay you've had in the summer? But you've got to arm yourself with the best chance. Yeah. You know, you have to, but Celtic repeatedly haven't done that, except when Brendan Rodgers came. And I said it at the time, Brendan Rodgers is a blip on an apparition in terms of qualifying for the Champions League when he did it twice or three times. You know, the, mm-hmm. third time we, the third time we lost to Ike Athens because they wouldn't spend money. Yeah. And then Rogers, and then the beginning of the end of the Rogers era. The rot had set in. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Because, you know, they, they could argue that they, they got lucky qualifying the twice times two times he did before that that's you can argue the toss in that but you know he was going for a clean sweep three out of three and they wow. refused they refused to back him that time and paid a heavy price knocked out to a bang average Greek side who the board, the board wanted their ball back. That yeah, was the thing. Yeah correct. And also Russell he ended up looking at that Ike Athens team and there was two defenders that played for them who kept Celtic out and you say to yourself Persons of interest. These are two hmm. guys who shut us out. You know, was you know even going ask the question? You know, and I'm not saying they're they're silky or by all, but they're, they're in our kind of remit, our ballpark, our affordable range. You know, so uh, you know Rangers went. Rangers played. Can't remember the was he check was it? And did they sign Barisic? Mm-hmm. Yep, right. So Barisic has flourished. So it's a decent bit of scouting. You've watched him twice and then you've thought he could do a job because they slotted him into that that role. They, yep. looked, they like the look of him, you know, and he's flourished. He's did very well since he came to Scotland. So, you know, you've got to have your eyes open all the time and, and, and prepare, 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 you know. And Celtic going in to this Champions League qualifier, you know, with a smattering or I don't know if you've been loading a of youngsters. It, it, it does frighten you, let's be honest. You know, I think the, yeah. the, 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 the lack of squad numbers frightened you on Saturday more than anything else. Because mm-hmm. I don't blame the young guys either. They've been asked to pitch in and to perform. And then they're going, and if they're pitched in against Mitchellan, they're going to be asked to perform way above their, their station and their grade. And as you see, sometimes history's literally decent performances, but you know, it's a it's a huge ask. It's a tall order, and it's and the big, part of me thinks it's unfair. It is unfair, Tony. You know, the big thing for me looking at that, and we used this kind of comparison a few weeks ago. We were looking at when Martin O'Neill came in, when Brennan Rogers came in, and we were comparing it to where Ange Postecoglou currently is. There was a crop of young players in and around the squad when O'Neill came in, similarly when, when Rodgers came in. And when you look at that crop, and I think this is just normal, when you look through the history of Celtic and most football clubs, there's four or five players in and around the first team who are the younger fringe players. Generally, one of them makes the grade. And that that is a big concern for me because you're looking at that batch of players. Yes, I've been impressed with Owen Muffett. Adam Montgomery has impressed me. Dane Murray, I think, has been the pick of the bunch. Leo Held shows a lot of class. But if we're expecting the four of them to be part of the squad, then you know we're, we're the, the, it's naive to believe that that's going to happen. One of them, perhaps, will be part of this Celtic squad going forward in two or three years' time. I'm not being pessimistic. It's just that history shows you that when a, a group of players come through, most of them drop off and maybe one of them manages to become a first-team regular. And of those four, I'd love to see all four of them, you know, performing for Celtic in years to come. But, you know, history tells us that won't happen. Now, Russell Boyce made an interesting point there. We're talking about Lee Griffiths and the surprise that he's in the squad, Ball and Golly. The reason they're in the squad is because the squad is so poor. Because, really, under normal circumstances, these guys wouldn't get a sniff at a Celtic jersey because of what's happened in the past but because we're so ill-prepared we're in a situation where we're forced to do that similarly we were forced I guess our hand was forced to give Ralston another deal because I don't think he's shown enough with plenty of game time in the four games to suggest that he should be your first choice right back 
going into the Champions League qualifier. Um, there's a few points coming in. First of all, I've got to remind everybody, Ben515, come on, get subscribing. Yes, please do. We're careering towards 12.9 thousand subscribers at the moment. Subscribe, you're in a prize draw. You're not just in the prize draw for July, but every month there's a prize getting given. This month is Urban Hymns Platinum Disc by The Verve back in, what was it, 97? Right, here's a question for you, Russell. The Verve went straight in at number one in the UK charts. Which album did it knock off the number one spot? Oh, 97, very good. Um, Spice Girls, maybe? Good answer. Tony? Nah, we didn't know. Oasis, be here now. Oasis, be here now. Yes. And Urban Hymns, Knocked it off the number one spot, wow. so there you go. Um, David Boyle comes in on YouTube. The poor forward planning of the previous setup will come to roost if we get past Michelin. PSV and Galatasaray will be uh, too strong for us. Well, it's a good point because obviously the, the draws have been made this morning as well. I'll come to yourself first, Russell. Um, should we progress? And I say, should we, we with a big uh, caveat of you know if there's a bit of a miracle at, at play because you know we really are up against it here then the third qualifying round of the Champions League will be against PSV and Galatasaray and that is in under a month's time uh, the second game will be anyway uh, so the 3rd and 4th of August and the 10th of August against really decent opposition now up, up to that point if we get knocked out Incidentally, we'll be playing uh, the Czech side Jablonek, and I think that'll be the first time we ever play them in the history of Celtic. But it shows you that even if we do manage to negotiate this, and if we do, as I say, and I would love us to, obviously, I think it would be a tremendous feather in the cap mm-hmm. of Ange Postacoglu. But it shows you, Russell, you progress into that next level. That's the standard of the team that we're up against. You then go back to what Tony said, another seven players He's not exaggerating, is he, really, if you want to come up against a team like PSV or Galatasaray? But to me, PSV and Galatasaray, is this not what we're, we compete in sports for? I don't think these are teams that we should be looking at and thinking are miles out. We shouldn't be looking at them with such fear. The reason that we are is obviously the circumstances that we've just debated um, moments ago. But to me, PSV, Eindhoven and Galatasaray, are they really, firstly, the, the leagues they compete in are slightly better than the Scottish League, but not miles ahead. The reputation of the clubs as a global brand are miles ahead of Celtic, if if anything at all. They maybe have slightly higher wage bills. PSV maybe, maybe not so much. But we've seen Galatasaray get beat by Rangers only a year ago in a qualifier. Rangers, uh, and that was in the Europa League. So I don't think, we, you know, I think it's, it shows how far we're falling down that we think Michelin's going to be, you know, a miracle to win. And then PSV and Galatasaray give us the full fear. Because this should be, to me, teams that we are looking forward to testing ourselves against. And shouldn't be considering these matches as scalps. I don't consider PSV and Galatasaray a scalp for Celtic. I don't understand that logic. And I just feel that that mentality has been allowed to creep in um, across, not only from the, you know, from the board down, but into the fans as well, that we're just happy to take part, you know. And I always felt the Champions League changed a wee bit as well. I felt that our attitude in that was very much happy to be there, no longer bothered about the actual level we compete at once we are at the big table. And if we made the big table, it was by chance, not because, as Tony says, you know, we weren't tooling up for it properly. We've not tooled up again this year, and Michelin give us the fear. And after that, we're basically resigning ourselves to looking at who would be playing the Europa League qualifier. Wow. And if you're telling me that's not a side whose standards and, and goals and ambitions have dropped drastically, not just from the club, but from the supporter, then you're kidding yourself on. Because these are teams that, to me, I count Celtic above. Not, not you know, scared to be scared of or being a scalp. See, when you look at um, Axom starting four years ago, Tony, 2017, and Kevin Graham was always of a mind that Celtic are no longer a Champions League club. And I argued and debated the fact time and time again. And, you know, there were certain clubs that if you were drawn against them, you would think it was a group of death. 
PSG, Barcelona, any of the, the big English sides, I guess, would be in that category, Real Madrid. You you really would, you know, you love the nights at Celtic Park, but those famous victories or performances of the past were becoming f- fewer and further between. So now, and I think this is what Russell's just said there, there's a group of teams that aren't at that level, they're a level below that, and we're now fearing them. And I think it is a decline over a period of time. And my expectations of Celtic, I know what they are. I speak about them on here. But I sometimes wonder what are the expectations of Celtic? What is the strategy of the Celtic board? Is it just to be at the party and not actually compete? Well, no point in being at the party if you're not going to compete. The reason you fear these teams is because of the club, sorry, the, the, the squad that you see just now. You know, if Celtic tooled up at all or brought in three or four players since Ange came in that could play, not ones that are not going to play in this, you'd be dismissing Mitchelland. You know what I mean? And PSV and Galatasaray are trading on former glories, he says with a smirk. You know, (laughs) considering the team he supports himself. But you know what I mean? They, They don't give me the fear. What gives me the fear is Celtic. No, I don't really care about other teams because I think on a level playing field, everything being equal, Celtic could take any of those teams in Europe and twice on a Sunday. You know, but we don't have the calibre of team that we expect to com- to be competing in the Champions League and that's what gives us a fear. Those at the top running the club and I, I absolve, and again, I'll say it again, I absolve them of anything that well, happens in Europe this this season. You know, and, and do you know what? See if he gets past Mitchelland and he does beat PSV or Galatasaray, whoever it is, then you'll see a miracle taking place. It will be miraculous because then you'll realise that you actually have a manager in situ, you know, who, who does know what he's doing, does know what he's talking about. Celtic will get better. You know, Furuhashi will improve the team. Abada will improve the team. Starfelt, if he comes in, will improve the team and that manager will improve those players and make Celtic a better team going forward, you know, in, in months to come. And there'll be others yeah. that will make Celtic a better team going forward. It's the here and now that gives you the fear. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, why should Celtic be worried about getting into play, Mitchellan? Seriously, why should Celtic be worried about that? But they are worried because we're just ill-equipped again. And you go back to how many times... You know, if you know your history, the board clearly don't know your history. Because, you know, history tells you that whenever you've been ill-prepared for European football, especially Champions League qualifiers, you get parked out. Braga, Maribor, Cluj, Ike, Athens, just some of the massive, you know, Ferenc Varos, some of the massive household names of European football that have toughed us out of the Champions League since 2010, 2011. You know what I mean? So who's... Who are they of European football? Mm. You, know, you know, but they have because Celtic, to their shame, haven't they been prepared. They're not prepared to spend the money. They're not prepared to give the manager the, the tools, you know, and equip them to do the job. You, you wouldn't see these teams in your road in terms of qualification if, if, they, if they backed the managers and took the competition at this early stage seriously. You know, and you reap what you sow in the world. So if you spend mm-hmm. money and you get through to the land of milk and honey, you get it all back. Mm. So I, I can't understand why you don't <laughs> speculate to accumulate. And you get it all back and more. You yeah. know what I mean? And then winning breeds confidence, breeds success, breeds success. Well, you know, Feeds so, into every other facet yeah. of the club. Absolutely. Yeah. The fans buy everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why I say That's why I can understand why they never tooled up for the 10. You could have marketed anything with 10 on it. Pencils. <laughs> you name it. What was, that wee, what was that wee jar there? That was uh, magnetic. Paper clips. No. <laughs> Stick a 10 on it. Not like that. No, for oh, me. wow. Right. I like That's it. it. So, you see, see if you do, did, did your job and I'm the manager with the funds to, for a team to win the title, you could have, you'd have, you'd have raked in millions. 
I mean, really? Well, Tony, I, I'm looking forward to when I look at the, the part where I ask you what the, the start of loving is, you get that magnetic board out and you start talking us through it. Uh, Russell, before we do that, though, there's a wee quote on Celtic Twitter and it uh, goes as follows. To be the Celtic captain is a great honour for any player and to be given the captaincy is a very proud moment for me and my family. No, not the words of Greg Taylor, as uh, Kevin Graham predicted, but as we thought it's Callum McGregor just being announced as the captain of Celtic. It was always going to be Callum McGregor, wasn't it? Aye, no, simple decision. Um, and look forward to it. Obviously, it means he's going to be remaining at the club, which is again is another bonus because whilst we're worried about the ends come, you know, the ends that we're doing, you know, there's guys there that you, you need, you're going to need to keep a hold of. As, as Tony alluded to last week, Callum McGregor's an extremely good footballer. First and foremost, let alone the fact he also has vast experience, knowledge, and knows what it takes to, to be a Celtic player and captain. To me, it was a no-brainer. It was a simple decision. No surprises. Look forward to it. Um, just to touch on what we were just talking about a minute ago, though, do you know what also is baffling me a wee bit? Is the timing of the signings we are now making. Now, Kyogo comes in but can't play in the Champions League qualifiers, but we're willing to spend £4.5 on him. Kyogo is a player of interest to Ange Postecoglou a month ago, 40 days ago, whenever he started. This is not a new thing. Why was the bids not done? Why is Starfelt being signed after the Champions League qualifier at 4.2 million? Three and a half being brought, uh, spent on a badder, but we've discussed today that you would kind of still be throwing him in if he were to play. Yeah. Why, yeah. I don't understand the timing of these transfers that are occurring right now, considering there is considerable investment being made surely mm. if you're going to be making that sort of investment we we need to remember we're a Scottish club and all this and whilst we all want Celtic to spend spend and you know you know speculate to accumulate and all that it's not really in our nature but when we're signing guys at three and a half million four and a half million four and a bit million whatever it all is and I'm sure there must be others on the list as you say Tony but still seven that we think is missing right now I'm like who in their right mind spends that money and doesn't have them available for these golden ticket Champions League qualifiers. It's I don't understand it because the fact they're spending the money comes as maybe a surprise to some, but it, the biggest surprise for me is not having them in that list that we've just seen this morning get posted. See the thing, Russell. Sorry, Tony. I was going to go on to this once we spoke about the the predicted lineup and all the, the pros and cons around it. But Russell makes a, a valid point, and I think the reason for it is because we have heard about a restruct a restructure in the Celtic Football Club. We've heard about a modernisation of Celtic Football Club. Mm-hmm. We've not seen it. What we've seen is somebody coming in and replacing the CEO. He's operating within the same confines, within you know the same boardroom, with the same personnel within that boardroom. We've looked at a recruitment process other than the one player identified that we can guarantee was Ange, because obviously he knew him from his uh, experience in Japan. It's the same recruitment process, that hit, the hit or miss recruitment process, sign five and one or two of them will, will work out. That's what we're still doing at this moment in time, so nothing's changed. We spoke about a director of football, you know, the Harkin and Maresca dream team. We spoke about all of that. We've not seen a director of football. Ange Postecoglou's been parachuted into Glasgow to work alongside John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan. So, you know, we've been told about all these changes, the restructuring, the modernisation, Tony. But the reason that we're still in the same situation a day before Mitchelland, as, as Russell alludes to, is because those changes, not just in personnel on a football park, but behind the scenes, and the big changes haven't been made. I still keep laughing on the fortieth day he went AWOL. <laughs> you probably think, seriously, is this it? It has to get better. No, I, uh, I do agree with you. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I, you know, what was the delay in getting those players in then? Right? Why? Why the week before you go into the Champions League, you lash out twelve and a half million quid? on players that can't play. One out of three of them can play. And I think it was necessity because he looked and went, I need players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After he's seen everybody in action or he's had a look at the training ground. And his modus operandi is working with younger players and making them better. 
that's all fine and well. But you have to have some bits of experience to help those younger players. You know, you cannot just have a team of young kids and, and say, right, this is it. I'll turn them into, you know, league winners by the, by the second season. You know, so he's had a look around and he's thought, okay, fine, but, you know, and then all of a sudden, bump, bump, bump. As you say, he's been in 40 days. Mm-hmm. So why wasn't the bump, 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 you know, three or four days after he'd, he'd arrived? As I said at the start, you know, to give Celtic some sort of fighting chance yep. and qualifiers. That's what more that's what modern clubs do. You know, that's the first stamp of your restructure. Arm the manager to the teeth with as much as we can. You know, they were told if you don't buy season tickets, the manager won't get money. Celtic supporters fell over themselves to buy season tickets and bought into Ange coming, you know, initial scepticism and include ourselves in that. But, you know, there's still an incredible wave of optimism as well. Because, as I say, Starfield, if he comes in, Abada and Furuhashi will make a difference. But it's a, it's a difference moving forward. We needed players to come in and, and start in earnest tomorrow. Angie's reign kicks off tomorrow, right? Whatever happens, right, he's blameless, right? But I, I don't want my manager to start off in that kind of negative footing. I want him to say, right, this is my team. I've put my stamp on it. The board's backed me. Let's give it a crack. You know? And that's what, that's what should have happened from the moment Ange came in. Everybody should have been singing from the aims sing from the same hymn sheet or spreadsheet, as Russell says. <laughs> in unison. And the money should have been spent on these players. What players that the manager could have, could have identified straight away because of his knowledge of Australian and Japanese football. Yeah. I want him, him and him. Well, the the big thing for me, you look at uh, history repeating itself. Two years ago, you'll remember going out to Cluj. It was one of the teams that you mentioned earlier, Tony. And on the bench for the game that uh, knocked us out of that tournament against Cluj were Julian and Bolingoli, who we'd bought for 10 million quid. That's right. But we, we didn't play them. So... At, the, at one point during that game, Callum McGregor's playing left back. You've got a three to three and a half million pound left back sitting on the bench. You got Simunovic, who I think was to blame for one of the goals that Cluj scored that night. Pretty sure he was uh, playing centre half, and Julien, seven million pound centre half, sitting on the bench. So we've done, we've been here before. We've we've seen this movie before, and we're continually making the same errors, and that's the frustration. But to mention that in the uh, the Celtic sphere, if you like, in terms of Celtic alternative media, you're called negative. We're only pointing out the fact that it's happening, and it's happened before. Mm-hmm. You're not being negative. I'm going into tomorrow's tomorrow night's game frustrated as much as anything else. You know that uh, we don't have all our ducks in a line, as I think they say. But yeah, you're I mean, and you still want to see them win. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. of course. I, I mean, I just think as well. You look at you know when you're thinking of signings to get made for this. The Kyogo one, I was all positive about last week, and in terms of a player, but I've watched more stuff on the internet and that as well over the weekend. He's, I'm, I'm convinced he's going to do good things. Like, but I, what I don't understand, right? When it comes to players like this, and we're going to invest four and a half million pounds. I don't understand how we can be affording to leave this till now. And I was positive about the nature of it, thinking Andrew's got his man. He's identified a player and we've done business on the manager's behalf. I'm now beginning to think it was, like you've alluded to there, Tony, a panic movement because he's went, what is happening here? Like, yeah. I need bodies. It's that simple. And they've now green-lighted it. That could have been green greenlit 40 days ago. There's just no two ways yeah. about that. So... Why it's taken this long? I was thinking last week this was a sign of the new era. I'm actually beginning to think it might have been done as a reactionary move as opposed to this proactive back-the-boss sort of vibe I was kind of trying to emphasise in tweets last week. If you've watched his interviews, he, he seems a bit annoyed yeah. at the inertia in terms of bringing in players. I know he's got a couple of bodies now, but, I mean, it's no use to him. And he strikes me as a guy that's kind of like, well, I needed them yesterday. Yeah. Mm. Well, not today, because I have to go what I've got. And, you know, and he, and he, 
he's coming across as looking frustrated at the fact that he, he hasn't been initially backed, you know, uh, with players. You know, because at the end of the day, he's going to cop flack if he loses. I, I, you know, I, again, I go back to it. He's blameless, utterly blameless because of the timing of it all, right? But you'll still cop flack for losing. If, I know. If he loses, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting him to lose, of course. People, people go off their head. But if this goes pear-shaped, then it's him. It's him that has to come out and answer questions and where did it all go wrong and... You know what I mean? So, and I don't, I don't wish that on them at all. I just wish that they'd got their act together, brought in three, four, possibly five players, and gave them a fighting chance for the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Right? Just giving them a fighting chance. And, and as you say, they, 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 they're not. History tells you they don't spend a lot of money, but they've just spent twelve and a half million quid on three players. You know. So another three million have been fifty million quid for players, right? He, he would have felt better about himself and the team had he been allowed to do that, and, mm-hmm. and he should have been allowed to do that. And Dominic Mackay said he was going to back him, and you know he, he looked at him like as if it was a second coming in that, mm-hmm. in that first interview, and he was like, "I'm the man, and we'll restructure as Paul John said there, and we'll do everything we can to bring success to the football club." Well. They haven't done everything they can. They failed the first test. Because the first test tomorrow night and you're looking at fringe players maybe having to step up to the plate. And, I, and I, to me, it's shambolic. Yeah. That a club should allow themselves year upon year upon year to enter the greatest club competition on earth in a shambolic way. Now, Maravchik comes in. Maravchik is a regular poster on here, so welcome to the show. We appreciate your support, Maravchik25. You're watching on YouTube. Get subscribing if you haven't done so already. We want to see that hitting 12.9 by the end of today. Don't forget the AEK keeper, Tony. Now, there has been players in the past, I was just trying to think there uh, while she were chatting, Tony, that we've seen against... Uh, playing against Celtic in Europe, and we've gone out and bought them. And I remember Jozo Simunovic was one of one of those players. He played against us for uh, Dynamo Zagreb, and we went out and bought him. Interestingly enough, he's still not got a club. That's bizarre. Um, the aforementioned George Cadet scored a couple of goals against us for Bobby Robson's sport in Lisbon. Quite a few years later, I think about maybe three or four years later, we eventually signed him. Mark Viduka. Um, been the other one, and would I be right in saying that that was also Marco Viduka, as he was known then? Marco was Croatia Zagreb, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it has happened in the past, but yes, we obviously ignored the two defenders and we went for the goalie um, against the K Athens. But it does beg the question: we've, we've said there, and I agree, we still need a goalkeeper. There's been some speculation in the last few days about goalies. What's your thoughts on Barkas? He made a half decent save against Preston. He's obviously playing the way that Ange Postecoglou wants him to play, where he turns almost into a sweeper when Celtic are on the attack. Does he have a future, Tony? I think Ange Postecoglou is going to give him every chance to prove that he has a future. And I tell you what, that was a cracking save on Saturday. Mm. You know, and it shows you what he is capable of. He, I go back to it, I say it all the time, it's attitude for me, right? And I think... Barkas has came with a renewed vigour and a totally different attitude this season. You know, he, he, he had a crisis of confidence last season, like a lot of the players and like, mm-hmm. a, lot of, like a lot of the back four. So neither had confidence in each other. And, you know, it, it doesn't excuse everything being hit towards his goal going in. You know, that that's fair enough. And some of the supporters were actually questioning his ability to save the ball, which was really, really harsh. But since he's came in, he's playing this sweeper-keeper role. As a, he, he's exuding confidence. He's looking like the goalkeeper that Celtic have signed, thought they'd signed. You know, the, the five million guy from Ike Athens, the Greek international. And I know it's early days, but you just talk about attitude. He, he seems to be a different person, you know. And would Barkas have saved that pile driver last season? I, I don't think so. You know, he, I don't think he'd have been anywhere near it. But positionally... He was sound as a pound for that first half and, and Saturday he came out and he narrowed the angle 
with uh, Scott Sinclair as well. There's just different things like that that you're seeing in his game that you think, okay, the manager's had a word with him and he's probably said to him, I'm going to give you every chance to claim this undisputed number one jersey. And I think there's a goalkeeper there. I thought there was a goalkeeper there last season. I just think he was a case of maybe the guy, you know, in the wrong movie. You know, he'd come to the club and the pressure as well that was expected. I mean, he walked into a team that was chasing 10 in a row and they were just like, you don't lose this. You know, I was like, wow. And he came, he came at a time when you couldn't go anywhere, you know. So he was maybe cooped up in a hotel room for a while as well, couldn't visit, no family couldn't visit, stuff like that. So there's been all sorts of extenuating circumstances for a guy like Marcus. And I, I would cut him. See another one. See another one, Tony. Yeah. And I'm not just seeing it as an opportunity to have a dig at Neil Lennon, right? But Barkas wasn't his first choice. We, we know that. We know Foster was his first choice. We know that there's a recruitment process that Celtic are, are in. And that recruitment process probably wouldn't have differed a great deal if it was a different manager who was in place. I think one player might not have come to Celtic this preseason. But last season, we know that Neil Lennon wanted Fraser Foster. He didn't get him. Uh, so we bring in Barkas. We also know quite a few other players that he wanted. I mean, we've heard about Ivan Tony, for example. Didn't get him, but we get a Yeti instead. Um, yeah, let's not mention him. And there's a few others. I mean, some of the names, personally, I wouldn't have signed for Celtic, but um, we know that uh, he was interested in players like Robert Snodgrass and, you know, James McLean. Now, he didn't get these guys, but he did get someone like David Turnbull. But I think it's interesting that Barkas was dropped and banished from the team. So was Ayeti. Tumbo didn't get a sniff until a European game almost against Lille, where you know we were about six months into the season and the season was already quickly evaporating in front of our eyes. Was there an issue last season um, on Neil Lennon's part where he wasn't getting the players he wanted, therefore he didn't have the same belief in them and he didn't play them? Yeah, I think obviously the patience thing, he seemed to certainly have a shorter fuse with, with regards to patience. I mean, Barkas was the number one goalkeeper, according to Neil Lennon. He's my number one. Three games later, he was dropped again. So they seemed to be all walking a bit more of a tightrope. And the one thing you would have to say in Lennon's defence there, though, is would you have the same belief and confidence that they'll get through a sticky patch if they're not your guys? If they're not the ones, you know... Would you persevere with a player that you're thinking, well, that's not the guy I wanted in that position? Do you persevere as much? I, I, I'm not sure you do. So I would defend him slightly on that in that instance. But at the end of the day, he did things that contradicted himself. And he was also given, as Tony said, a, a Greek international goalkeeper who of repute, who cost £5 million in his Champions League experience. And he toyed about with that position far too much for my liking. What does it do for a goalkeeper's confidence who's came from a, a country like Greece where caps and all that earned and Conor Hazard starts the Scottish Cup final, for example? You know, uh, he's sitting, I don't even know if Barkas was in the squad that day. So there's been a lot of challenges for him on a mental level to try and overcome, probably since the close season. In fact, probably before the season ended, he was already on that journey. I wonder if Ange joining the club, fresh voice, Fresh set of eyes has managed to sort of revitalise him, you know, sort of give him that sort of belief, that hope back and still a wee bit of confidence in him because we're going to need him on Tuesday night. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. And I know that we've been linked with Fraser Foster again and I was banging the drum for David Marshall on Saturday, but I mean, obviously when you do look at Barkas on paper, you think he fits the bill of exactly what type of signing We've been advocating on this podcast, ready-made, first-teamer, out the wrapper, straight in. Not someone that, you know, you're looking at his age, 27 now, and he's just turned. And he's, as we say, got Champions League experience, international. I'm going, that ticks every box that you're looking for. My only concern I would give Barkas, right, is because he's not a new signing, like you were saying, the manager might cop flack if we were to, if we were to lose on Tuesday. Imagine if Barkas makes a mistake. Is he going to get a fair crack of the whip from the supporters or will they just revert to the opinions from last season straight away and that confidence just see diminish again? That is my concern there and I think that's why the, the hierarchy itself will be considering 
and bringing in a, a you know competition for him at the very least. Talking to Foster, I remember a turning point. Tony in his Celtic career, saving a penalty against Hearts. It was in the game when Wanyama scored an absolute screamer. And, you know, Foster wasn't everybody's cup of tea at that point. You, you tend to forget that because of the goalkeeper he became and the success that he became. But a lot of Celtic fans weren't convinced and all of a sudden he saves this penalty. I think we won the game 1-0 at Celtic Park and his career almost turned round at Celtic Park. I'd love to see a performance like that by Barkas and you know if it happens in Europe and it helps us to get through then all the better I do think he's got it in him but the circumstances have been very cruel to, to Barkas so far I feel yeah I mean I, I, I totally I totally take that on board and I, and I think it will just take that one game where he, he defies everybody and you know and has a stormer for people to change their mind and realise he actually is a decent goalkeeper you know a, a lot of circumstances last year conspired to make him look terrible, you know, at times. And, and Russell said that it's tough. And, you know, I, I, I don't doubt for a minute that Postacoglu has put his arm around his shoulder and said, listen, you're my man. Prove it. You know, I'm going to put my trust in you. Because he looks like a new he looks like a new man in terms of what what evidence we've seen so far. And I think if somebody puts faith in you, then the one thing you want to do is repay that faith. You know, and, and I I'm, I don't have any qualms about starting Barkas against Michelin. Do you? No. No, I'm actually I'm gonna give you my start eleven, Tony, see how many of them you agree with. These are first up coming back. Doesn't he interest me at all? No, that, that ship has sailed, you know. He's in the same boat as Paddy Roberts and uh, <laughs> various others, uh Juan Yama. John Cadetti. Um, Vasilis Barkas starts for me tomorrow night and uh, I would start with Anthony Ralston at right back, with Greg <laughs> Taylor at left back. Uh, I've got a question mark around near Beaton because I don't know if he's going to be fit and Stephen Welsh. If Beaton isn't fit, I'm going to. I'm, I'm actually going to say I'd play Dane Murray before I played Urugidi. Some may think that's harsh. Uh, moving into the midfield, Callum McGregor, the captain, alongside uh, Sorrow, if he's fit and if he's not fit, I would start with Liam Shaw. I think he's shown enough uh, to deserve a jersey if Sorrow isn't fit. With uh, Abada thrown right in on the right, Turnbull in the centre, and maybe surprising to some, because he has played here, but maybe not as prominently, I would actually play Ryan Christie on the left and up top, Edward. That, that's my start in 11. I know a lot of people disagree with a couple of them, Christie probably would be the big one. Tony, how many of those uh, do you agree with? What changes would you make to that? I wouldn't make any changes to that. That's exactly what I was thinking as well. And it's probably what he would go with. And your shout with Den Murray, that would probably, I would probably do the same. If Beaton can't play or, or whatever, because I, I would trust Den Murray over Urugidi at this moment in time. Uh, Ralston and Taylor don't have much option either way. Uh, the midfield picks itself really doesn't it in, in terms of if it's if Sorrow's fit then it's Sorrow Turnbull McGregor Abada and you know I just think for the experience alone Ryan Christie has to feature you know whilst these players are here you've got to get a tune out them got to see them look you're looking at the bigger picture it might not concern you per se but you're still here you do a job for me be professional and then Edward up top because he's the best striker at the club. So I, I, I wouldn't make much change to that. That's kind of what I would see as my starting lineup. He, he has to. That's the strongest team in it. If I think so. Tinkering with more youngsters like Montgomery, and it's no disrespect to them. Then you're, you're running the risk of, you know, I'm not saying they'll they get beat, but you're running the risk of asking guys to do too much, youngsters to do too much and becoming whipping boys of a game for a game of that magnitude. And I, I reiterate what I say. I think that would be really, really unfair on them. I know Abada's young, but Abada's got a lot more experience than any of the, any of the young players, you know. And there's also as well, there's that impetuosity of youth with a player like Abada. You just say to him, go out there and perform. You know, show me what you got. You know, so... And... You know, you let him loose because he's an unknown quantity, isn't he? 
to everybody. So sometimes these those decisions can make or break you. But you, that's that's what I would be encouraging a badder tomorrow. Do what you did the other night. Get the ball, take the man on, look for Edward. You know, try the you know the short passages of playing, linking up and and if you can, if you get any scoring positions, then shoot. No, it's, it seems, seems perfectly simple, but well, some players are incapable of carrying out simple instructions. But that's what I would be saying to them. Go and show us what you've got. Go and show the 9,000 crowd what you've got and mm. let them see why we've signed you. Yeah, definitely. Russell, what about yourself? Any changes you'd make to that? No, I mean, I do like the, the idea that, team. as I was saying on Saturday, I just think right now it is so such a difficult task to pick what the first 11 is going to be. I think there'd be many disagreements um, between the support on what, what their idea of an 11. I do have a feeling there might be a curveball in there by, by Ange, whether it's in terms of shape or or personnel, I'm not entirely sure. I think something's going to be in the starting 11 that, you know, it's like a dropping a bomb. I think he'll try and catch us off guard a wee bit, which will be good. Um, I mean, even though we're going through the team and we feel under-equipped, you can't help but feel a sense of excitement that the season's restarting and you're talking about a Champions League qualifier again. I certainly feel like that. Anyway, I was getting feeling a wee bit excited there as you were so going through the team again. And yes, it is mixed with trepidation at the circumstances we find ourselves in, but also you just think that it's a new approach. It's going to be a completely different way we played, you know, from from before, hopefully. Um, and we just wish them all the best. Hopefully we can get a result. Well, here's hoping we'll be covering the game. Before the game, we'll be back tomorrow for the 12.30 built-in. If you've been watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the Axon Bulletin. We've got a few other Axon shows in the works. Russell Boys knows all about them, but the top <laughs> secret at this moment in time. Uh, fully produced shows that will be dropping onto our channel, so make sure you subscribe because we create free daily content on the channel. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. All that's left for me to see is Tony Haggerty and Russell Boyce. Thanks once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.